this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can make us help. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Or you can make us help. Or you can make us help. You can force (laughs) us to help somehow. Said that uh, 616 times or something similar to that. And I still can't read it without screwing it up. Uh, Guess who's here, Jay? Who? He's been here. He's been here, I believe, 47 times. <laughs> is that right? Or is it in the... No, maybe it's in the 20s. I might be over. I couldn't even... I'm I actually did a count on this, because um, we always go over it. I had a look the other day. It's 32. 32 suggestions, 14 appearances. Oh, only go. 14 appearances. It feels like. Yep. It feels like a lot more. I don't know what that means. I think I, I don't think that's a bad. I think it's a good thing because we're just so we're so uh, uh, weirdly having. Even though you're um, literally on the other side of the planet, uh, we have probably talked to you more than we have talked to some relatives over the last uh, ten years. This is true. <laughs> so you're like our uh, brother from another kangaroo. <laughs> oh. So, what album did you bring to us for this episode? Okay, so um, in the interest of switching things up a little bit, everything's been a bit power pop and a bit uh, metal-y. Um, so this time we have brought The Sharp with an album called This Is The Sharp. Um, something a little bit different, a bit, of a bit of a brief explosion. As you can see also, I've tried to up the ante and work visually a bit with the skivvy here to fit in. <laughs> But um, unfortunately, I think I just look like a freak. And we we all have black t-shirts, black shirts on. Oh, yeah. that's that. what a that's that's called a skivvy. Yeah, it's not really long enough. I need a bit more turtle work going on. on the, that's a different on word here. Yeah, that's that's what that means. <laughs> Skivvies are your underwear. Yeah, you kind of wear them as underwear, but if no, you, I mean if like your drawers, pattern, your drawers. Yeah. <laughs> It's warm here, so we don't need long sleeve underwear. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. The, the, the parody uh, video you sent me, Tim, makes a whole lot more sense yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. I watched it and I sent it to Jay uh, because they. So, did they have some level of fame briefly in the UK or in the UK in, in Australia? Because I saw them, you know, playing or being parodied on a late night show. Which, like, yeah, here, but, that would be a big deal for a band to be parodied by another band on, like, well, Jimmy yeah. Fallon. It's, so that's, that was, the late show was on the ABC, which is our on the BBC, so it's not, like, the biggest network going. Um, but that was a really popular show, and, yeah, they did a musical parody with each episode. I think the Sharp um, sort of appeared, went pretty big, and then disappeared really quickly. But I think... The distinctiveness of that song, like it's a very easy song to get on board with. You hear it once, you either like it or you don't like it. 
Um, and I think the whole skivvy aspect, like their, their aesthetic, gave them something to work with. There are a few others in that series. Most notably, they did a uh, parody of Ween's um, Push the Little Daisies, and it was called Sing Like a Dickhead and Dance Like a Duck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so aggressive. <laughs> That's a couple notches up from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, jeez. I mean, uh, <laughs> harshness. I guess we figured they weren't watching. Well, well I'm glad I know what skivvies are now because I was watching that video trying to figure out what this had to do with my underwear. Yeah, me too. I was com- totally confused <laughs> watching just, that video. They're just turtlenecks, I guess, for you guys. Gotcha. Right. Uh, yes, now that... Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you mentioned they were only around for a short period of time. Uh, they formed in 91 and then they were done by 95. Uh, they released yeah. two two records. This one is was in 93... And then they released another one in 94. Uh, there's also an EP that came out in 92. Um, and it was f- three members or four members? Um, three members. Okay. So it was Alan Catlin on double bass and lead vocals, Piet Collins on drums, and Charlie Rook on guitar and lead vocals. Um, the guitar player looks like Alexander Skarsgård from uh, True Blood. <laughs> <laughs> like dead ringer. Yeah. That's funny. At, He's at really first tall I was too. like, is, it, is this that guy's band who was on True Blood? Like when he was... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was a musician before he was an actor. Uh, actually, he, he, he I learned like... today he's Stellan Skarsgård's son. Yeah. I didn't realize all the Skarsgårds were related. I just figured that was like Smith in Iceland or wherever they're from. Sweden, <laughs> Swedenland. He, he looks like the uh, guy in any romantic comedy movie who is the boyfriend of the girl that the, that the lead is trying to date. So we right. hate He's either, the, either a successful banker or, uh, or some sort of uh, athlete. Yeah, and he's up to no good. Yes, For definitely. Sure. Um, so they were they released both albums uh, I mentioned on East West Records Um, as far as charting uh, they both both albums went to number 13 and as far as singles go uh, off of this record Train of Thought made it to number 32 Scratch My Back made it to number 40 and yeah, I want you made it to number forty-four. Um, and then on the next record, Sonic Tripod, they had a top twenty hit with "Alone Like Me." But they, so do you know um, anything about their breakup or uh, what happened with them? Not much about the breakup. Um, they just got. I feel like at the time there was a little bit of readiness for this sound, but that readiness didn't last very long. A little bit like sort of the rockabilly or swing movements, and we'll probably get to both of those, um, of the time, like people are like, yeah, and then they're like, okay, I've never heard that now. Um, they, I think most of them moved on in the music industry. There's a couple of bands that they've gone on to do, but they're more in the um, soundtrack sort of zone and a little bit of electronic stuff, I think. Yeah, it looks like one of them went on to um, 
going to journalism. Um, one went into uh, working, yeah, working with uh, TV, like writing ads or ad music. And then um, one of the guys became a session guitarist for, uh, I don't know this person. Oh, uh, for a Polish-born film, Australian film and television composer who's worked on a number of albums. I cannot say his name. There are so many Zs and Ws <laughs> in that name. Any attempt would be an absolute debacle. So I'll just say the director fella. So yeah, they two of the three of them went on to like industry jobs making music. Um prior to that also one of them was a writer for Neighbors which is like a, a bold and the beautiful light sort of show as well. He was writing episodes of that. So I feel like they've, they've been in and around the music and TV industry the whole time. Um let's go to our Patreon patrons. And uh, we'll share the results of the poll when we um, give our ratings at the end. But some of our uh, commenters or some of our uh, patrons had some comments. Uh, Jeremy Amen said, giving this a better EP for now, but it might grow on me a little. The singer sounds a bit like Danny Elfman of Oingo Boingo, in case anybody's not familiar. Uh, Album really starts off with an early Beatles feel and then some Dada-ish stuff starts to sneak in. A few cringy lyrical moments. My mother would not be happy knowing I am listening to this. <laughs> uh, Darren Leach said, Gavin, 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 this album doesn't need to be resurrected. Scott said, like a BR549 thing based on the cover? Question mark? Uh, no. Or what is BR5-49? Is that like... I'm I have thinking, no idea. I'm thinking of asteroid B5210 or that, B612. <laughs> there we go. B612. That album we did in the first season, I think. Um, yeah, like- Ian McIver said, What did I just listen to? Do I need Vegemite or a can of Fosters to get myself in the right headspace? I think he's. Uh, think just to he's, be clear to Americans, we do eat Vegemite. We do not drink Fosters. What's, what's the beer of choice down there? I drink Stonewood. Um, but I think uh, in Queensland it's 4X, in Melbourne it's VB. But they, everything's kind of changing. But no one's ever drunk Fosters in Australia. That's just something we made up. They lied to us? <laughs> yeah. In advertising? No. What about the fine Corinthian Wait. leather I have in my car? But you all <laughs> eat at Outback Steakhouses, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Okay. You have, you have a blooming onion every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course we do. <laughs> Okay. Thank you for setting that straight. Thank you. You were crushing my whole world. We don't we don't need to be disillusioned any further. No. I don't like hearing things I don't believe are true. So yes. Thank you. La 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 la. <laughs> Nate Smith said, better EP. I can handle around 20 minutes before it gets sort of bland. Yeah, I want you sounds like your boy from Eve Six. Uh, even though this predates that band, I had to check because it's so spot on. Uh, Steve Musinski said, what a fantastic first listen for me. Worthy album all the way. This album embodies a similar spirit to other albums I enjoy by such artists as Presidents of the United States of America, They Might Be Giants, Cake, and The Dead Milkman. And listen, 
even if they are only pissing, farting around on a bunch of songs that aren't necessarily profound, catch my skivvies reference if you can. I was certainly entertained. Here's a question for you boys. Is why is everybody saying you boys? What's what's <laughs> Dive, does, is something happened in the popular culture I'm not aware of? <laughs> is Kiss Me Again perhaps the unsexiest song about sex of all time? It could very well be. Great pick, Gavin. Definitely a fun change of pace. And I'm with you. This thing definitely had me smiling too. Hal Bittner said, interesting album and a departure from some of the stuff reviewed. I like what I heard and would give it a worthy album, but not one that I would revisit on a regular basis. That's an interesting conceit because there are definitely records where I'm like, this is a worthy record, and then I've never listened to it again. Partly because we have to listen to a new record every week <laughs> for 12 years. Uh, but also because, I man, I just didn't find myself in the mood for it again. Has ever Does that happen to you often, Jay? Do you, is there just stuff that you're like, it's a good record, and then boom, it's gone? Yeah, I mean, sure. They're just the volume of music is hard to keep up with. Um, I tend to go back to favorites when I have to think about make a choice. Um, I do try to add things to my library, and then they'll come up in my radio station or whatever, whatever algorithm right. you use. And I that seems to be a good proving ground for me. Like when they come back again, like randomly, like oh yeah, I remember this band. Okay, and then I'll go listen to them. Scarce is a good example. It came up recently. I was like, oh, yeah, I love this record. We reviewed it. And then I went back and revisited the whole record. So I definitely need a prompt sometimes to, uh, to remember. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's get into this record. This is The Sharp uh, by The Sharp, released in 1993. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about this album. Well, the, al- the band and the album title don't lie. This is Sharp. Um, the band just sounds the way they look. It's an interesting, especially for the 90s, visual and sound. I, I don't know that, at least in the U.S., that we had really anything else like this. Uh, it's not heavily distorted or fuzzy. It's not angsty. It's not really anything you would associate with the 90s, which is uh, kind of refreshing. Uh, I think it also. You know, it's unpo- unapologetic in terms of how poppy it is, too. I think what I love is that it's poppy, hooky, it's danceable, but it's not electronic, it's not programmed, it's not drum machines, it's performance. Um, we don't get a chance to review a whole lot of records that are danceable, hooky, poppy and are all guitar, drums, and bass. Um, and like, not a ton of over... Yeah, there's some overdubs on this record, obviously, but it sounds like a performance. And that is just so different. It's not 90s at all feeling to me. It feels like I'm listening maybe more to an 80s record or a current record, uh, which was kind of a fun trip to take. Um, there's nothing complex going on here from a songwriting standpoint, chord progression standpoint, but it's very well crafted. Um, there's a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of like harmonies and um, really 
clever guitar work, um, some great bass playing. It, it it reminds me more of like a band like the Knack or, or even like the Stray Cats than it does <clears throat> anything from the '90s. Um, to try to get your head around like what this sounds like. So I I just love the how it it is its own thing. Like there's obviously a vision for what this band is going to be, what they're going to look like, what they're going to sound like. And it's, they pull it off with a lot of like hard work and craft, it sounds like. I don't know that these songs just came to them and like it all came together. It sounds like this really probably took a lot of time to get right and to get it sharp, get it like crisp and clean and like sounding good and actually hooky and working. Um, so from that, I, I definitely appreciate it as well. You know, aside from the, it's a fun, accessible, dancey, poppy album, but it's also got some great playing on it. Uh, and yeah, the more you listen to it, you kind of pick up on, on some of that performance, especially the guitar work. So it, it's a quick listen. Um, you get it accessible right away, but the more time you spend with it, you also kind of pick up on the, the cleverness of some of the playing and um, some of the dynamic between the players. So that's some of the stuff that I liked. What worked for you, Tim? I often may wonder Cause I just don't understand Why this is happening to me and you I sometimes feel all strange Well, a lot of the, I think, kind of late new wave or or maybe like uh, the knack, like those sort of influence bands is like dead on with this and why I enjoyed this because it has, you mentioned the, the look, the the name, the sound, it all like comes together. And my actually immediate thought when I was listening to this, like almost from song one was Joe Jackson. And in the sense that like his, well, there's like connections here. His first album is called Look Sharp. It has a cover, a black and white cover with black pants and white shoes. Now they're not wearing white shoes, but like I got this very, and I'm not saying that they're totally, you know, doing a Joe Jackson ripoff here or anything like that. I mean, there's some Elvis Costello. There's a little bit of like, this that like very jagged, very staccato, um, rhythm but because it's like boom 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 it's constantly propelled so it's got that like dancey feel and um yeah that all and then you mentioned what the timeline of this this comes out in 93 this kind of predates when like the swing stuff would happen in like two or three years i mean this isn't far off from like a brian setzer in in and what would happen, you know, a little bit later or or like even like Reverend Horton Heat or something like that. I mean, there's 
and this is a couple years before that. I know that Reverend Horton Heat was around, you know, underground in the early '90s, but like not to the extent that they these bands would have been like touring together or anything like that at this point. Right. But, but, this is early for any of that. Yeah, that's what's for revival. So kind of interesting for yeah. I mean, I know there's always been like underground rockabilly, you know, stuff happening, and obviously like there have been bands like um, Southern Culture on the Skids that have that element, but they also have a, a just a very different sense of sound than this band. Whereas this is more, you know, very clean pop. Like you mentioned, this, this yeah. could have been good be, or could be made today because there are bands that are like taking that sound and, and using it today. Yeah. This is very, um, like they're trying to, uh, this feels like they're trying to make Hit, hit hit songs like they're trying to be a big band and a lot of the other bands yeah. we mentioned that are part of that revival scene those bands develop is like an almost like an anti-pop thing like they weren't doing what was commercial at the time eventually that became successful in the late 90s uh, this doesn't feel like well that's what that this band is doing this feels like this is our concept we're going to be huge like this is you know we're going to put all all of our time into like getting this right and and crafting it yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Gavin, um, this was your pick. Obviously, there's some stuff that works on here for you or works on the record for you. Uh, is this one where this is a favorite of yours that you picked or was this more like, I'm curious what you guys think. I'm still deciding when you're making this pick. Uh, bit of column A, bit of column B, probably more B at this point. So I remember listening to it a fair bit at the time. But again, as we all know, back in 93, if you bought a CD, you willed it to be good because <laughs> it was a couple of weeks before you could buy another one. So that's what's yeah. in your car now. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the singles. I was actually on board with these guys before the album. So while there's only one EP listed, there's a couple of singles and things that, that predate that. And I'd seen them as their cover band that comes before this, which was 59 Sharp. Um, which probably brings the and it was a more rockabilly aesthetic going on there, which um, I, th- I think to a degree that that from the aspect of trying to actually sell records, they toned that down. So it's in the initial ones because it's a little bit immediate. Though. So the first, particularly um, what we're looking at, um, scratch my back and talking sly have that. It's, it's fairly clear, like the opening of talking sly, and you've got that rockabilly guitar riff as you come in. Um, and then they kind of toned it down a little bit. Um, this this band and The Living End were both doing that kind of sound in Melbourne at the same time. And then obviously The Living End took it in the punk direction and these guys took it in the 60s direction, um, which was interesting to me for both of them because I love the playing. Um, as far as 93 goes, this is almost a palate cleanser because we're a couple of years into everyone being sad, everyone... Um, distorted, everyone's playing drop D, no one can sing properly. Um, and so this is just a bit of a palate cleanser of, oh, that's right, music can be fun. You know, um, it kind of jumped on the radio there. I think also as having seen them as the cover band, I've got a few of their covers here they did. They do they would they do Love Cats by The Cure, um, Hanging on the Telephone by Blondie, um, Vicious by Lou Reed, Added Up by Violent Femmes. And I think if you throw those into this conversation, That'll put people in the. That'll give a lot of people the direction of right. That's who this is. 
Yeah, Violent Femmes is a good is a good one there, just because of the sort of unique instrumentation that the the Femmes would use, and having a you know an upright double bass is definitely mm-hmm. that this guy when you know it, Jay, you watched the video too, right? Like, I mean, he's moving around with that thing. I, I realize yeah. it's a music video, but like, that's uh, that's that's not easy to do. <laughs> Yeah, the, the comparisons to The Living End are fascinating to me because that's a band I like a lot. Check that feeling, I'm as high as the moon. How could she do that to me so, so soon? She looked at me and I was gone. Oh no, this is really sticky. this record on that was one band that came to mind quickly and to, to the point where like did they have something to do with that band like are these former members like they're a song like love kiss for example the chorus of that to me sounds very similar to living end um can i love as well has some moments that sound a lot like the living end um the fact that they both had the same format is interesting were the stray cats or something big and bigger in australia for a while or what like where did that stray cats were fairly fairly popular here yeah i, yeah. I wouldn't say they were huge but if, like, most people if you're into music know who they are yeah yeah just seems so like you said they're both from the same text ta- they're both from Bel- melbourne right yeah same town same time wow. same pubs so. hmm. that's super that's interesting and obviously the living end, yes, they went more punk and then I because they kept going, they even went more mainstream, like kind of hard rock. Yeah. Um as well. So uh but yeah, I mean same kind of format, the stand-up bass, three piece, very similar idea. So the um the sound, is there a is there like a scene do you, like it, I'm not saying um you know, I don't expect it to be like Seattle or anything like that. But was there like a a rockabilly scene in Melbourne in the '90s or or in the country? I, I would have thought that this is my experience, but I would have thought that everywhere kind of has a rockabilly scene at most times. Like, there's always always been some kind of hot rod show, docks. Um, okay, you know that 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 guitar playing's always been around. Um, to me, it sounds quite intricate but maybe it's easy to do i don't know um the double bass is is a is sort of a prop that, that they all kind of use so it, it was around it's around here at the moment um we had a thing the other week down the showgrounds down the road here called grease fest which is all um all this kind of music so but to me i think if it's something that you had ventured out and found you you would find that it's always been there mm. Yeah, I don't I don't feel like rockabilly outside of like early rock and roll has ever had other than maybe like George Michael's Faith. <laughs> I don't know that it's uh, ever had a mainstream. No, not mainstream. But I think to Gavin's point, like 
at least in the U.S. Like I, in the late '90s, there was like an underground scene of that kind of going on. I'm the, I'm I feel like I'm too disconnected now. It doesn't feel as strong as it used yeah. to be, but it's it's more subculture. Yeah, I think you hit the reference points. The Southern culture on the skids, Reverend Horton. He, I was listening to those at this time as well. Yeah. So okay, even Jeez. early super suckers. Oh yeah, I guess I, I hadn't thought about that. I think yeah. because this band doesn't play with. I mean, it's a very clean tone. There's a little bit yeah. of dirt on the tone, but it's not like there's nothing crazy on this record. I don't well, have. I, I don't think of them in the same space. I guess. Yeah, well, that's why I'm going back to, to my point earlier. It's like there's a different level of like musicianship here than maybe the bands we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, Super Suckers are cool. Like these guys are at a different level. Of oh yeah, playing and tightness and songwriting craft. Oh, and the vocals the song- too. I I'm mean, not saying the, way the songs they- are better or worse, but they're just a higher level of craft all around. Vocally too, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean the layering of the harmonies, and then when they're doing counter melodies, and I mean there is a lot of stuff going on there that, yeah. And it's not just in the like they will switch off in verses in really interesting ways mm-hmm. within the songs, and then are doing, you know, really interesting, interesting things each song, so that it's not just the same sort of harmony structure every time. Yeah. Sometimes they go back effective. and forth. It's great. It's like. It's, it's weird. It's just like a song like Scratch My Back. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has a pretty dopey guitar part in it. Like, it starts off and you're like, that's a really... If you just break down like what the main riff is, you're like, wow, that's really basic and annoying. But there's so much on top of it to make it work that you don't even really notice. Like, the two singers and the dynamics and the harmonies and everything else going on you don't realize that underneath it is like a very basic guitar riff mm-hmm. um so and i i guess the last thing i'm point i'll make on that is that just to emphasize again they're doing this without distortion which if you've ever played guitar or in a band um i love distortion and when you're in a band you cover up a lot of stuff with distortion <laughs> like you don't always have to be super tight um attitude and a lot of distortion can take you a hell of a long way um but if you turn the distortion off and you play an electric guitar wow you're playing all suddenly is exposed like you are naked um in every possible way and you need to hit you need to play every chord exactly right you can't misfret anything um, your guitar needs to be perfectly in tune. Like yep. you need to be super precise and very, very good. Oh, and um, by the way, you're doing harmony vocals. Right. So you're singing the whole time too. Um, it's it just, it's remarkable to me when anytime I hear a band that can play this clean and still sound like, you know, they have, they have an edge to them. They're not overly sappy, you know, it's fun music, but it's not like, you know, it has a little dark tinges here and there, and there's some edge to it. Um, the fact that all that's done without any distortion really is pretty remarkable to me. Well, one of the things I like about it, and it's a similar thing to what I like about the um, Backbeat soundtrack, is that I'm I'm a fan of the music of the um, 60s and early 70s and that. And for something like the Easy Beats, uh, as an Australian band, um, 
But when you do listen to a lot of that, even the um, old Beatles, Beatles recordings, they're tinny and they're not, you know, the recording techniques have improved. Our ability to capture the sound has improved. So this and, and Backbeat in very different ways capture the songwriting and the, I guess, like the feel of that era, which was a little more, I don't know, a little more honest, um, a little more fun, um, yeah. but brings the recording techniques, et cetera, into the, into the now or into the 90s at least um, and, and flushes out, fleshes out that sound a lot more. Um, I think this is a very different album also. If you listen to it while you're working in headphones or if you play it loud, I think when you play it loud, it becomes a very different album. There's, a, there's more there. Like it can be very easy to just let it drift into the background and become just a pop, a pop album. Jay, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? I, I don't love when they lean what I would consider, you know, into the rockabilly too much um, and or just the songs get a little too basic. So Kiss Me Again is an example where like the melody becomes kind of predictable. Kissing you with makes me speed. Get a rush so instantly. You're so lustrous, what I need. You got my key, you set me free. Kiss me again, kiss me again, kiss me again. Come on, kiss me again. sounds like you know a rockabilly adjacent unspectacular song waiting for the next thing to happen is another example you know the, the voice is kind of deadpan and it doesn't have the dynamic um it, it sounded to me like um a self demo like something matt mahaffey would come up mm. as a as like the basic beginning before he'd do a whole crazy production thing on it yeah it's like it's like missing dark sunglasses too yeah um it's fun but it's kind of missing the i don't know bombast of the performances on the songs that i really like um you know to me like a song like love kiss it it, it they do this guitar tremolo thing it just it takes it in this whole other direction like it just has this weird off kilter like darkness to it that um it just it, it ascends into somewhere other than just we're a poppy rockabilly inspired band like it goes to this other place for example um there's some other stuff like yeah i want you you know those verses almost have like a psychedelic furs kind of vibe vibe in the in the verses again going in this more dark moody place that's a really nice contrast to the you know the upbeat chorus so i i like that push and pull when they, when they find it versus kind of the deadpan rockabilly straightforward stuff um like kiss me again wait for the next thing to happen dark sunglasses even um scratch my back a little bit 
like it's not my favorite song on the record um i think half of it's good um but it gets it's not as good as even like the next song talking sly um or even train of thought which i think is a lot sharper what didn't work for you tim I agree with you on songs like Kiss Me Again and Dark Sunglasses that lean into the rockabilly sound. It didn't it doesn't work for me. That's just I like this band better when they're in their very dynamic, jagged, upbeat sound. I think a song like Scratch My Back is fine. I agree with you because like it's just missing like a jellyfish turn like you know, like this almost could be a jellyfish song, but it needed to have like one little weird turn. In like a bridge and then it would have been like oh this is a kick-ass song but it's yeah it's a little repetitive um without that uh i don't like when this band is slower um or when they get into like they might be giants almost type territory or or um it's just like not my wheelhouse like i want i want to lean more into the new wave or early yeah early Beatles sound rather than goofier sounds. What'd you think of closer? Do you have any notes on that? Um, I said, I wrote, I don't like this band when they're slower. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. Something about that tune. I gave it some, cut it some slack. It, it felt like a bit of a like mid album palette cleanser um, yeah. to me. It had a classic kind of coronary vibe to it that I, that I kind of forgave it. But I'm with you. I think they're at their best when they're um, a little bit more, uh, just slightly ragged, up, upbeat, high energy, little tinges of edge here and there, um, and not necessarily trying to write ballads or mid-tempo rockabilly tunes. Gavin, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Um. I think the pacing of the album's a little bit off. So the first three songs are far more upbeat and, I don't know, they're just fun tunes. They're more accessible to the instant, you know, the first listen, I reckon. So those three come, they they put you in a certain space, and then the album slows down and loses a bit of energy. Now, over time, the more you listen to it, as you've sort of both pointed out, a lot of those songs are actually better once you get on the other side, but they're not as easy to access. So I would imagine for most of our um, listeners, they probably fell away at that point. You, you probably need to hear this album five to ten times before those other songs really start to shine for you, whereas the first three probably hit pretty instantly. I, I think they're pretty easy to get on board with. Um, I did have a closer here in my notes. I've just got too slow. Um, I, that's, that's not where I want them to be, that, that particular sound. So I didn't need that one. Um, but I think if they had have mixed up, put those first three songs in different places on the album and maybe thrown in another song. So for all the singles and EPs and that, there's a whole load of other songs and they're all nearly all like the first three. So to just chuck maybe another one of those on there. And I probably would have gone with um, uh, track 10, so Dark Sunglasses. I probably would have finished with that because it's a bit of a throwaway song. So I could have just sat at the end um, and been a bit of that outro um, that you could have turned off if you wanted to. Also, there's a little bit of chit-chat in between some of the songs, which just always ages an album and, like, that. that yeah. just never do that. You know, it always, in hindsight, sounds stupid. 
Yeah, and they tack them on to the end of the songs, so you can't skip mm. them. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's just um, not the kind of record you need. That this should just be like boom, 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 boom. Like hit me with the songs. They're they're yes. all pretty tight, except for these um, the little chit chat bits here and there. I mean, to me, this is a perfect band for a for a, a forty four minute vinyl in the sense that like they got like six killer two and a half to three minute songs on the first side and then on the second side give me a couple more but maybe do like one weird song like this is the band can, that can get away with just like nine perfect little pop songs and then the last one do your little acapella vocal thing or do do a rockabilly thing or whatever but like that was the only thing i didn't love was the range yeah i think i wanted um more of the upbeat stuff up front and then use this back half of the record to um, take more chances. A band that came to mind on, on your point, Tim, was Mink, which we can go back and listen to our yep. review of that. Um, and that album is so short, but it's a similar kind of concept. Like, right. There's moments where these bands sound similar, but you know, they were doing their own thing. But just in terms of like, had an idea what they wanted the band to be, like, super sharp well-crafted songs not overly indulgent and it's barely probably 40 minutes you know it's just nine or ten songs i think the album's even called in and in, in and out or in <laughs> something like that and uh that's exactly what it you know this should be it should be just a palate cleanser yep i don't think that this got a re- u.s release um so I wouldn't be surprised that it was never picked up. I, it was really hard to Google this band. I believe yeah. they toured the US with the Spin Dogs. Oh my! Oh, did they? Oh wow! Yeah. I wonder this, how that went. I can't get my head around this in 1993. No, this is peak Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, mm. Nirvana, Soundgarden. I mean, this is just like. Even Spin Doctors was like, I don't know. It had a hippie vibe to it. And it was like still kind of, yeah. their image was kind of dirty and grimy. And, and Blind Melon was <laughs> in that like hippie yeah. space because of no rain. Right. And this is way too like, I don't know. They're also doing things that you could describe as a little bit silly, a little bit jokey, like the presence of the United States and things like that. Yeah. And I agree that they kind of have a similar, like the sounds aren't dissimilar, but these guys aren't making jokes here. Right. Yeah, this is very serious musicians. Right. Right. I think the the presidents get away because they were also a little grungy with, yeah. that, with that distorted bass sound. Mm-hmm. So it, to the average listener, they don't probably know the difference that he's playing a two string you know, bass and the guitar player is only playing whatever string, three strings yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, that it's a novelty, yeah. Uh, other than the lyrics, yeah. No, there was no, that naughty, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say there, there was no space for this band in the U.S. in 1993. No, unfortunately, like we were way too close-minded for something like this. But to put it into 93 speak, so we've heard many times about the Australian Triple J Hottest 100, which is you know sort of, I guess your college rock radio best hundred songs of the year. This slipped in at number, oh, um, train of thought, I think, oh, no. Um, 
talking sly, I think it was, slipped in at number 62 in that 100. And mm. it was bookended by Easy by Faith No More and Nearly Lost You by Screaming Trees. Wow. So <laughs> that, that's the space yeah. we're in. So, yeah. I guess you could almost say the Faith No More version of Easy kind of fits this. You know, they're, they're not a million miles apart. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's get to our poll results at Patreon. Uh, we haven't done our... Oh, no, we got to do ours race. first. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped ahead. You did. So it's either Worthy Album, Better EP, or Decent Single, Jay. Where do you land? Uh, I'm, I'm still at a Worthy Album. I think uh, even you know the material I mentioned that's... Um, I don't love as a record. It works as well together. Uh, it's only what forty-five minutes. It's a fast listen. Um, the sequencing works pretty well for me. I agree. The second half is really, I think, where you spend the time. the The stronger material is, but it's a fun listen in that the first time you hear it, like there's things you grow gravitate to and you'll know right away like is this something i'm gonna be into or not but if you keep listening to it and like you said gavin listen to it louder through speakers listen to it through headphones like you'll get different sort of vibes out of it and you'll start to i think appreciate some of the second half of the record even more so i'm gonna wear the album how about you tim i'm going to disagree i'm going with a better ep you son of a uh i'm going with uh my i have a six song ep um which i think really does the band very well to be at an ep length uh scratch my back talking sly train of thought don't waste my time yeah i want you and love kiss are my six songs for my ep gavin um couple of things um, well, number one, it's for me. It's a worthy album. I'd prop. I'd definitely drop off um, closer, and maybe one of the one or two of the other songs without really giving it too much thought. And include, like I said, either a cover just to bring people back in, or um, or one of their other B side faster songs. But de- definitely a worthy album. Um, one of my big concerns. I've had to pick my phone up because it's losing charge, and at this distance, in this skibby. I'm looking like Billy Corgan. This is that's not good. <laughs> I'm go, away. Does that shirt say zero? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I hated that t-shirt. <laughs> uh, if you had one of those t-shirts now, you could probably sell it on eBay for uh, yeah. two hundred dollars. Zero <laughs> to a Gen Zer who just <laughs> likes the number zero. Mm. Uh, well, our poll results. Worthy album, 27%. Decent single, 27%. Better EP, 45%. The people agree with me. Better EP. How could that be? Said he. <laughs> In the Brant Bjork tea. <laughs> Stop gloating. Uh I, I, it's, you know, it's real close between where the album and better EP as we, as you know, we see yeah. with the poll results. So 
definitely in that space and up for that discussion. And I hope that people who, especially people in the U.S. who probably never heard of this band, uh, if you enjoyed our swing episode from several years back, you should definitely check this band out because I think this will be in your wheelhouse. Uh, and you maybe you're just discovering the show and you didn't know we did an episode on swing. So, boom, there you go. Or if you like any of those bands from the 80s that we yeah. mentioned. Uh, this Surprisingly, this type of music was being made in the 90s. Yeah. Gavin, great pick. Thanks for bringing this to us. Yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting one, a little bit different. Um, I expected I expected an EP. I thought most people would be a bit, what the hell? Um, but that's kind of the point. I like to bring things that create discussion rather than just universally liked. Would you like to tease uh, your next pick, which will be for an 80s episode for our <laughs> October haunted 80s episode would you like to tease that pick maybe get people excited to want to join patreon so they can listen to that episode well it's um it's definitely worth listening because there should be a lot of discussion um for me it's a massive deviation from trying to find an obscure album to uh like if nirvana is the definition of grunge to the general population then this is the definition of um, early metal, early hair metal for what most people would call it, new album if um, you're sort of a bit more in the know so we've all got to raise a bit of the horn hands and uh, yeah, just settle into the devil's what? number Are we devil's oh, number oh, oh. I was going to say, are we doing Dio again? Oh <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be paid a visit by Eddie Oh, I see yeah. I see I'm excited. All right. So we'll, we'll have a Halloween episode for our regular show, and then we'll have a Halloween episode for our 80s episode. We will gallop, gallop back to the 80s. Yes. <laughs> Upon horses drawn <laughs> by ye <laughs> Satan. Love it. <laughs> uh, always fun to hang with you, Gavin. Uh, appreciate uh your support for all 11 years i think you were here before when we were jay and i were just talking in the bedroom when, when we weren't even <laughs> starting the podcast you were there somehow guiding before us. some of those albums came out are you gonna wear your skivvy all day no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> i thought maybe this was like a father's day tradition you were gonna start it could be it could be a new one yeah <laughs> a new tradition excellent <laughs> So June, you said yours is? I expect everyone in Skippy's. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> it's going to be hot. Oh, my God. Sweaty. Which, yeah, I don't think so. Faces beat red. <laughs> um, I need to remind the folks who uh, are listening and uh, maybe are interested in signing up for our newsletter, you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com to sign up for the Box newsletter arrives every week with new releases uh 80s and 90s related music movies books tv shows documentaries whatever is out there two new reviews each week it's uh, done by myself or one of the patrons who submits them which uh i think when they do jay don't they get like a lifetime subscription to the box uh they do 
Yeah. So that's even, it's more an incentive to become a patron because then you can just write a, you know, a review of a new record you like, and then boom, you got the box coming at you. Boom. Coming at you. I have was, one coming of uh, Skeleton Key, the Death Rhyme guy's band, new band. Skeleton Key? Something like that. Yeah. Skeleton something or other. I think it's Skeleton Key. Wasn't Skeleton Key a band we did? We just reviewed that. Yeah. We had this discussion when I mentioned that at the time. Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> name to come up with because it's been used a hundred times. Oh, uh, okay. There's a new. There's another band using that name. Yeah. Oh I'm my the God. singer I'm, from Def Rhyme. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. <laughs> uh, but it's very late here. That's why. <laughs> it's very early there. Well, it's not. No, it's, it's almost. Lunchtime. Oh, it's lunchtime. Okay. Last well, in the living room. There you go. Uh, if you'd like to suggest an album, which our patrons vote on every week in our uh, monthly uh, death match of albums, nine per week, two move ahead, six for the finale, all submitted through digmeoutpodcast.com. I've been watching House of the Dragon. We can call it Attorney. Attorney. Uh, the the bloodless tourney of Dig Me blood, Out. There's tons of blood. It's, it's gruesome. Oh God, are you gonna start using like when the poll ends? Can you put like a stabbed like knife with a blood gurgling <laughs> out from the right. ones who have who have been yeah removed? No, I'm gonna, from... I'm gonna have um have them being eaten by crabs. Okay, sure. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fun. Uh. You know what's also fun? When you leave us uh, a positive review at Apple Podcasts. Five stars, nice words. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, That's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.